Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Christy Hem Clock. Christy has worked with clients such as Wired Magazine, Fortune, The New York Times, Forbes, and Fast Company, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Christy about how she's been approaching portrait shoots during the COVID-19 pandemic, how she got her start in assignment work, and I also speak to Christy about her experience working at Wired Magazine as a photo editor and photographer. Christy is someone who brings a wealth of knowledge and experience in the photo industry, having both worked as a photo editor and now full-time photographer photographing for top-tier clients. So I was really excited to get a chance to speak with her. So I hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. All right, well, Christy Hemclock, welcome to the podcast. Um, excited to have you on. Um, and discovered your work on Instagram, the kind of the way I found a lot of people's work. So excited to talk to you. Um, but basically, everyone I've been talking to lately has kind of been asking them like. How's the last four months been for you? Obviously, it's been a lot going on in the world. Um, I guess creatively, have you still been able to work at all? Or how's the last four months has been in your life, I guess? Um, you know, it's, I think I've been lucky because I've been able to work a fair amount. Um, it definitely has its highs and lows. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's been, I think I had probably a, a, a two-week spell where there wasn't much going on but there's been at least one to two shoots per week um and things are ramping up a lot more now wow that's good so that's more than i think most people i've talked to you're so you're you're cranking so that's good to hear Um, yeah even that is like making me have a full-on panic attack most of the time because i like to be overwhelmed busy but it's good it's good it's going okay that's good i guess because like the editorial I've noticed, I don't know, because you're shooting for more like national magazines like Wired and stuff. I have noticed in my region, some of the regional magazines, the editorial like art budgets have already kind of dropped a little bit um, just with the economy, Mm -hmm. the way it has been. Have you kind of noticed anything with any of the clients you work with in terms of like budgets or it's just kind of business as usual for you? Um, Honestly, budgets, I feel like editors have been um, really supportive and kind of pushed for at least small amounts of pandemic t- pandemic pay on top of what we would normally get. Sometimes it's just $100, sometimes it's a little bit more. Yeah. But for the most part, um, budgets for me have been good and a little bit even better because they know that we're all struggling right now. So it, I haven't seen a big dip. I've definitely seen a big dip in the amount of assignments, but as far as per assignment, it's still been okay for me. That's good. And like, what have been some kind of some of the challenges being that you're a portrait photographer? Like I noticed you shot the cover of Wired, um, someone named Nathan Wolf. Um, yeah. Just recently, uh, has there been kind of any challenges as the way you approach kind of portrait shoots with like everything? Like, yeah, six I mean, it's driving me. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I, I'm not like a, I don't love shooting out doors where I can't control the environment and that has been something that you know we're all dealing with not being indoors quite as much and if we are we're in full gear and keeping a distance and for me when I shoot portraits I I like to get to know the people that I'm photographing and I'm kind of like a a 
touchy-feely kind of person. So not being able to like mess around or like joke around with my subjects is difficult to like just keep the space and set up and approach things in a really different way. One of the other huge challenges is masks. Yep. Like you can't hear each other quite as well. Like when you're keeping like a, you know, sometimes it varies. Like usually we keep like six feet, um, but some people want more depending on how comfortable they are. Yep. Um, and so if you're like 10 feet from a subject and you're in a mask and you're like, hey, can you move your head to the left a little bit? And they're like, huh? Yeah. You know, it really, it really affects the flow of a photo shoot. So that's been something that I have not loved. Of yeah. course, we, we need to do it because we need to be safe. And um, But yeah, that's definitely been a challenge. Yeah, it is tough because like, as you know, as a portrait photographer, a big part of your job is trying to like, because like some people you're photographing, they, they're uncomfortable being photographed. They might be nervous. They might not mm-hmm. just like it. So like, I know for myself, like just like mannerisms, like this, mm-hmm. like being, see people can see you smile. And like you said, when you have a mask on, like, that's just like, you can't use, yeah. you can't utilize that trick in your bag. You know what I mean? Like no. it's, it's putting no. people it's at, such a big part. It's such yeah. a big part, especially with what I shoot a shoot. It tends to be a lot of tech, a lot of business people who are not in love with being photographed. That's not, you know, what they look forward to as a part of their job. And so it takes a lot to have a really positive and friendly crew to make people really comfortable. And when you can't do that, like the wired cover, I had to shoot alone. And in oh, the this, of the- was that just because the magazine said to go alone or more the, the subject didn't want a lot of people at his space? It was honestly such, it was a tight space we shot in his San Francisco backyard. And so that's already like, you know, this one square inch. And so it was just, it was tight. And it was the first um, cover I was going to, it was right in the middle of shelter in place. And so I feel like we were just being super hypersensitive. um, And so I, I did do it alone with some portable lights and it, it sucked (laughs) (laughs) just lugging all your c stands around and stuff well i mean all all i brought so i work a lot with these two portable flashes that are bolts from b and h and so i i just brought those so i just had two flashes on little light stands that i used for that cover and it, it worked out um obviously it was like a totally different way to approach it than we would normally approach a cover. Yeah. Um, but it went okay. It went okay. It was just, it was challenging to have my shot and then be like, Oh crap. I need to run and like move that light like yeah. two inches because the shadow on his nose is just not falling quite right. And so I was sweating and then I've got, you know, like the gloves and the mask and everything. So you're, you just, you're sweating. <laughs> yeah. You're out of your element. Like, do you feel like, uh, is there like an added pressure when you're shooting a cover? Like, I know you've shot covers for like Wired, Forbes, some other magazines like Ad Week. Uh, do you feel like you have to approach it differently? Or is it this kind of this, the same process you would on a normal little kind of little feature thing or whatever? No, it's definitely more of an in-depth process um, because you usually need to get more imagery than if it were just a small like front of the book story where it's just maybe one portrait when you're shooting a cover it's a multi-page you know sometimes six pages of photos so normally you'd you'd get more time and it would be really thought out and planned but 
shooting covers right now, you don't get to see the locations before. Like I, I shot a cover yesterday and it was just a, a debacle. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask you that. Like, did you, were you satisfied with what you got yesterday? Obviously you probably can't talk about what it was, but like. Yeah, at the, at the end of the day, we were able to pull it off, but you know, we were sent to a location that was gonna be a garage and we were gonna have to set up in there, which is fine. Like I set up in weird places a lot, but this garage had like six foot ceilings with big um, silver like AC piping through it. And so there was nowhere to raise lights. It was just when we got there, I had two assistants with me for this one. And we were like, this is not gonna work. That's, that's the name of the game with editorial. Like I've been in that mm -hmm. boat so many times where like you go in with your mind like, oh, I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. And then like mm -hmm. whatever the PR person just like shuts it down. Like I, I remember I had one, I was like, we're shooting like, it was supposed to be like, like a factory for iRobot. They make like the, the Roomba robots or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, this is going to be sick. I'm going to shoot where they make all this cool stuff. And they're like, no, you can shoot in the lobby. And it was like the most, <laughs> the, the most boring, like office space lobby. So you're just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we're all like, we're always thrown into situations where the location is just like the worst or the most bizarre. And sometimes it can work. Like I have been in the weirdest offices where I'm like, yes, why do you guys have green film? <laughs> on the windows i don't know but i love it yeah so sometimes it can work but in this situation we got there and we had two hours to set up and um after negotiation and talking to the subject we ended up you know moving to the studio because my studio is just it was like five minutes down the road but it is indoors and that was going to be kind of outdoors being a garage um but we were able to open the windows and everybody could stay you know, at a distance and everyone wore protective gear. So I think at the end of the day, it turned out to be successful, but there's just a lot more to take into consideration now, which yep. when you're going into these shoots, you're already, you know, jumping through hoops to kind of make it work. And then there's just, there's a bit more thrown into it. Yeah. And one thing like looking at your work, I was kind of interested about being that you're shooting a lot of these tech like CEOs or I know you photograph um, Kevin, I think Sinstrom, the guy who started oh, yeah. Instagram. I think you photographed the like, CEO of Google. Mm -hmm. Do you find it, is it more challenging photographing these guys? Cause they've been photographed a million times for like different magazines and publications. Is it, do you find it difficult, harder to photograph someone's been through the process a lot or do you find those guys being that they've been photographed a lot they kind of understand the process more than like someone who's not usually photographed I guess yeah the, the the bigger names are definitely a little bit um they're a little bit more comfortable well comfortable is not the word they're never comfortable yeah they don't like they don't like their picture taken they're not <laughs> you know actors or or anything like that so they're not they're not thrilled about it, right? And they've all got like limited amount of time. I think when I shot the Instagram founders, it was for the New York Times and it was because they were hitting like a billion users or something like that. I think that's what the story was. And um, I was supposed to have 15 minutes with them, but then their prior engagement ran late. And so I ended up having seven minutes with them. And I had an ass assistant of theirs calling out like every 30 seconds. Jesus, they were really on top <laughs> yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, we have three and a half minutes. Okay, you know, and I'm like trying to get this. I also did that one alone and I somehow put up a nine foot seamless 
on my own in this in the Instagram. That's always the worst. You got you got to go like on the left side, right side, and it's like <laughs> there's a lot of shimmying, and so that's all right. Sorry, that's my son. It's okay. <laughs> um, so this, so it was. We had to do like three different shots, yep. and so I'm literally sprinting, like run, like running down the hallway, like throwing up a light as quick as I can, and the guys are walking down the hallway, and I'm just like taking maybe five frames per, and just trying to make it work. So there's yeah, there's with the big names, they can just they can be specific with their time which yep. makes it challenging in a different way and I don't think I've ever experienced a tech related shoot where the person is like excited about it yeah. someday, <laughs> goal, someday, right? someday. <laughs> my goal is always to have them leave with a positive experience because yep. it doesn't have to be painful to get yep. your photo taken like it can be fun and comfortable if you have the right crew with you, which I do. I have the same assistants that I work with, like for almost every shoot, and we we bring fun. <laughs> do you do you run into like situations where like guys like that they're probably very aware of like how they want to be portrayed? Like, do they sometimes like have input on how they want to be like posed and things like that, or not so much? Or are they like, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that, or like, how do you kind of deal with those situations? I don't think nothing comes to mind um, yeah. where some, somebody has wanted to be photographed in, in a certain way. I've had um, some some subjects that are maybe into photography as a hobby um, <laughs> push back. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say this in a nice way. <laughs> Um, yeah, and like kind of try to tell me how to set up things and how to do my job, yeah. which can be, it can be something that happens a little bit more often. Than yeah, it's I like, it's like, would like, yeah, it's like this game. I, I've run that too. And it's almost, it's like two ways to go about it. Like you could have a bad attitude about it, but then it's like, you almost have to be like, yeah, you're right. But then do your own thing anyways. It's like, it's just like, exactly. this, it's, it's like, like mind games. <laughs> and I honestly think that in some cases it comes from a place of like deep insecurity. Like they're worried about how they're going to look. They're worried about how they're going to be portrayed. Definitely. And so that's why they're giving their opinion. And it's, it sucks sometimes, but it, I don't know. It's kind of just the way it is. You're dealing with so many different kinds of personalities, right? We show up and we're like, please trust me to make you look good. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. if somebody came to my house and wanted to photograph me, I'd act like a freak, you know, like I'd be so worried and weird and uncomfortable. So definitely. I get it. Yeah, definitely. I guess to go back, I was kind of curious, like, where do you kind of grow up? And like, how do you kind of get into photography initially? Um, so I grew up in Southern California, like, uh, an hour and a half southeast of LA, like Riverside County. Okay. Um, so I grew up down there and I I wasn't like into photography from like an early age or anything like that. I took a photo class when I was a sophomore and I had a really um I had a really supportive teacher, Mr. Bowen. <laughs> um <laughs> and um but I actually I was like my whole goal growing up was to be a professional soccer player. Okay. And so it wasn't going to happen. I'm 4'11". Like it was probably a pipe dream. <laughs> but, but 
I, that's what I did. Like all I did was play soccer. I went to college at first on a full soccer scholarship and um, decided after six months that that isn't what I wanted to do. So I dropped out and did the like bouncing around thing, trying different schools thing. And I ended up at art center um, in Pasadena. Okay. So getting my education there and really like focusing and honing in on what I wanted to do, that helped. But it was definitely like a sporadic, crazy path to photography. I know all these people that are like, that did it in high school and were like really into it. And that, that wasn't. And so like by the time you got to the art center, like you literally had just picked up a camera pretty much. Like, no, I had done it as like a hobby for a long time. And I had like shot weddings in in the Inland Empire, in the Riverside area, um, probably not very good. I wasn't like a a prodigy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't pick up a camera and people were like, wow. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody is. No, probably not. It's a journey. It's just like, do you, you even like myself, like when you look at your work you shot like two years ago now, do you even do you still like it or do you kind of nitpick it and like oh I wish I would have done that because it's like such like an evolution like constantly it's like at least for myself yeah. you know? it, I don't know if I like work that I make like a week after I'm like <laughs> the, I'm like the most self-critical person ever yeah. um which can work for me and against me it like it definitely keeps me hungry to keep pushing but I'll, I'll shoot something and I will go I'll run the gamut of emotions on it forever. I feel yeah. like there's think- some things that like, you know, stick that are like maybe emotional or whatever that you were involved in, but that's, it's difficult. You have to like, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's like a good attitude to have. Cause you're, if you're just like sat, always satisfied with your work, you're not really like progressing. You're just kind of like stagnant. So it's like, yeah. Um, yeah. When you got to art center, like what kind of stuff were you shooting? Like looking at your work now, it's a lot of portrait based stuff. Like, have you always been kind of interested in portraits or what kind of early on? It was portraits, but I, I had these grand ideas of like being like a war photographer, (laughs) which is like, wow, did I go in a different direction? I think everyone starts like so many people, they're either like in fashion, they want to be like some fashion Vogue thing, or they're like Mm -hmm. James Natchway, war like yeah i know i watched war photographer like so (laughs) much and was like this is gonna be me and i like i i started to pursue it a bit like i started working for nonprofits, and i ended up like sneaking into burma and like doing some stuff like that but um i had my son (laughs) and then that just changes yeah 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 for sure like i can't be in danger I have to be alive for someone now. Yeah, we got we got to be alive. We got to pay bills. We got to make money. Yeah. <laughs> we got to be shooting. to go to school. We got to be shooting these covers. We got to be shooting these covers. Yeah, so it uh, really went. It really went in a different direction. I guess like towards the end of school, like did you kind of have a goal in mind? What what you wanted to do? Like what was kind of your next move once you kind of got through the art center? And they, do you feel like going to art school was it a useful experience? I guess. Yeah, I I absolutely think that going to Art Center in particular was an invaluable experience because it's such a tough school. Um, It was not the kind of college where you got to ditch class or um, go to parties. Like we definitely had fun, but it was, it's a serious school and you have to bring your A game or get out. (laughs) And 
it that it whipped me into shape a bit. Like I think I probably didn't realize what I was getting into when I applied for Art Center and happily got in and was like, this is gonna be fun, it's gonna be art school. And then it was like, no, you have to be serious about everything. And so it was it was eye-opening, but it definitely it it teaches you to work hard. Which, yeah. and, but towards the end, I didn't, I was a little bit aimless, to be honest. I was a little bit aimless. I was like, I'll just like be a war photographer. I don't know. I was like a dumb kid, I felt like. And then I met my husband at Art Center and we got married after we graduated. And I kind of freelanced here and there, but I wasn't, I wasn't really passionate about anything I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then I had my son and I stayed home with him for two years and I didn't, I didn't take photos really at all. And, um, when he was about 18 months, I was starting to really like, I, I don't think that staying home is the right thing for me personally. I get a little bit stir crazy and I like to be like constantly busy and I'm a little bit high energy. Yep. Um, (laughs) and so I started to put the feelers out and how I could re-enter the photo industry and it was just doors 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 also I had no work to show and the work from two years prior wasn't very good mm-hmm. so there it wasn't going to get me any new jobs like oh look at this food stuff that I shot two years ago I'm not a food photographer. that's not a thing yep. for me and so um I finally I was able to get an associate photo editor job at Wired oh wow yeah so I I had, I had shot for Dwell years earlier and where Anna Goldwater was the um, DOP at the time. So I, 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 I shot for her. So she was the photo director at Wired or she is at Wired now. And so because of that connection, um, I was able to kind of snag that job that maybe I wasn't like 100% qualified for. I also hadn't worked in two years um, but she knew me from my work ethic and stuff before. So I worked at Wired for about two years. I was the in-house photographer and a photo editor. Oh, um, wow. That's awesome. So you got to shoot and kind of edit and like what kind of what kind of some of your responsibilities over there? Were you like doing a signing too? Yeah. So it was honestly, I Wired is a tough place to work at, but it the experience that I gained from my time there has completely shaped the way I approach my career now. Like being able to see things from an assigning perspective and being in on those editorial meetings to see how stories come together, it it makes my mind work totally differently when I'm approaching a shoot now because I I know what they need. I know how quickly they need the files. I know what they're expecting. I know a little bit better about what questions to ask when you're going into a shoot, budgetary stuff. And so that helped so much. I was um, doing art for the website for a couple of the sections. And then I was assigning for the front of the book for the magazine. And then I was shooting probably five times a week for online and sometimes the magazine as well so it was just it was a crazy job that was it taught me a lot what was it because you mentioned it was a tough place to work what do you mean by that was it just kind of like a competitive environment or just the how how fast pace it was and everything they could because they cover technology so it's a constantly like moving thing it's like yeah it's just 
it's like any magazine, it's a competitive environment. Yeah. And I was also coming in with zero experience off of two years of just being home with my son. And so it was, it was a, a big adjustment for me personally, but I, I don't think that I would be where I am in my career now without that knowledge. That was like a really big deal for me. And it must have been kind of cool because I think there's probably a, a thing a lot of young photographers struggle with is like, like you say, like you're starting out, you don't know anybody, you have no content connections, but you're trying to get your work out there. Like, did you learn a lot just seeing how other photographers kind of marketed their work to the magazine and like how they approach photo editors? And is there like anything you kind of took away from like seeing how, how it kind of worked and how you kind of apply it to your own marketing? And yeah, out? definitely. Definitely. Especially since... In that time, um, we relocated from LA to San Francisco. And so we moved up to San Francisco when my son was three months old. Um, and so I didn't know anybody when I went to work at Wired when he was about two, I had like zero connections up here. So it was really important for me to be the recipient of promos, be the recipients of photographers reaching out and seeing how the other photo editors responded to those things, like what worked, what didn't work, how it worked. Like, honestly, a lot of it is timing. Like I would get a promo and then the next shoot I needed to assign happened to be in that random city. And I'm like, oh, like printed promos definitely work as long as they're not too overwhelming like don't send them out more than once a month <laughs> oh yeah one, yeah once a month once a month's a lot if you don't yeah print the promos you got good budget on marketing if you can do once a month right <laughs> but we had some photographers where i would just be like how am i getting another promo from you like do you <laughs> and have then it, like a secret printing press <laughs> and yeah and then it, like you, if you do it too much it kind of you can put a, a bad taste in people's mouths because it's like it's yeah. too too much it's like pump the brakes man pump the brakes <laughs> and then you see like when photographers are you know you send out cold emails like oh hey i'm so and so i live here here's some recent work um you'll see if that photographer sends it the same email out to the six photo editors that are sitting next to you yeah and you so you see like how much people are personalizing things and maybe if they're tailoring their stories stories that they share with you too wired like when I was there it was like please don't send me like really random lifestyle wedding stuff like because that's not what we're looking for yeah you want to you want to work with people that are actually like fans of the magazine and want to collaborate and who actually look at the magazine and like did their research on like what you at least did their research like you don't have to like love wired and like love everything tech or anything like that but you have to be aware. proactive and aware enough to do your research before you reach out to people or there's you're wasting your own time too because they don't have any use for that yep. so it was it was really educational to see how to do all this and now I feel like whenever there's like young photographers starting out I almost like throw myself at them because I'm like oh let me help you like I had to learn all this stuff on my own like I want to tell you, I want to tell you everything. Here's all the contacts. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of trial and error and like trying to figure mm -hmm. it out. I, I keep my emails. Like whenever I'm reaching out to someone, I don't know. I, it's almost like one or two sentences. I keep it like so short. It's like here, I live here. Yeah. Because yeah. often it's like, they don't even have, they're getting inundated with emails. And so they don't have time to like read a whole long thing or, you know what I mean? Like it sucks that 
Yeah. Everybody's kind of so overwhelmed with work, but that's kind of just how it is. Yeah, so name, name yeah, it was, it really is. Yeah. So it was definitely, it was, it was a good experience as far as learning everything yeah. I could. And in the back of your mind, did you kind of always know you wanted to branch off and kind of become freelance and do your own thing? Were you kind of like, while you're working there, kind of work on your own portfolio at the same time, kind of, or how did you kind of make that jump from like having a full-time job to like, all right, now I'm going to go on my own and start, because it's hard. It's like, you can have one, you can have one client, but they ain't going to pay all your bills. It's like, it's tough. It was, it was very scary. Luckily, my husband has like a normal job uh where we have health insurance and oh, stuff hell so. yeah health, health insurance. <laughs> that's important yeah <laughs> which is why we moved up to the bay area anyways because like he got a job he was a freelancer in la too nice we had our son and you need health insurance when you have a baby mm-hmm. <laughs> um so so yeah it was it was definitely scary and i but i always planned on doing that i'm not the kind of person who can be in the same place every day. I'm not good at office politics. Like I don't know how to play that game. That just is absolutely not who I am. And so I knew that eventually I was gonna like go out and do my own thing. It was just a matter of when I felt confident to do that. Um, and you know, then I did it and I didn't feel confident about it. And I was like, probably sobbing for the first two months afterwards because I was like this was a terrible decision oh, it's, a, it's a lot of re- lot of reject a lot of rejection like you said a lot of emails not getting responded because once yeah. you, once you leave that bubble of wired you're this you're like everyone else that's out there trying to hit that pavement and trying to get your name out there like what exactly. were you exactly how are you kind of getting your work out there because I know some people do like portfolio reviews some people do obviously mailers and market their work that way or how are you kind of getting what were kind of some of the first clients you kind of started to work with once you broke off on your own so um i i left wired i think in at the end of july very beginning of august of 2015 i think Mm, i honestly i can't can't remember the exact year everything's a blur (laughs) um but so it was maybe a month and a half later that I was in Washington, D.C. with a big ass printed portfolio knocking on people's doors. Like the thing about building a lasting freelance career, I think, is relationships. 100%. And so I did my research. I, I narrowed down editors who I thought I would get along with maybe personally and we we made relationships and so it was I I hit the ground running I was like I can't I can't let this flop because I did have a freelance career before and it was pretty unmonumental (laughs) you know (laughs) it was nothing to be excited about yeah and so I just I was like I I can't fail at this like if I go out freelance I have a family to support like I don't get to try again. Like, this is it. I already took two years off and had a baby. Like, there's no coming back a third time. You know what I mean? And so um, so I, I flew out to D.C., um, showed my book around, and it's interesting you say tried- It's interesting you say D.C. Most people, I would think, they go to New York. Like, what was it well, about? So I had, I had made some contacts in D.C. through my time at Wired, and so... 
I, I went out there first and exploited those to the, the absolute maximum. Like, who do you know? Oh, do you want to get drinks? Do you want to get coffee? You no. Know? And I was able to, I think, make all the rounds in DC. And um, on my way home, on the flight home, I got my first assignment from wow. uh, the Washington Post. And I probably cried because it was such a relief because it's so terrifying to put yourself out there and then fall flat on your face. Mm -hmm. And so um, Thomas Simonetti is a, is an editor at the Washington Post and he gave me my first assignment for them. And then it wasn't long after that, that I went to New York and um, I, I probably emailed honestly like 15 editors at the New York times and I got one response um, from all Marissa, you need, that's all you need. That one response, like, yes. <laughs> and so she met with me. Um, she gave me my first assignment very soon after I got home from New York. And my second assignment was to photograph the founders of Instagram. And okay. so it was like you, I put in so much effort right up front it was like okay i'm going to dc i'm going to new york i have promos i'm emailing around the clock like sharing anything that i did at wired over the last two years that i think is up to par for sharing and um i made some amazing connections who the people that i made those connections with are, are close friends like marissa who gave me my first um assignment at the times is a close friend we talk a lot outside of uh, the work we do together and so it's really about like finding your people and not stopping <laughs> yeah doing doing a good job because those those editors can move on to other magazines and it just kind of like builds and builds and builds yeah um, and then the time I knew Marissa she she went back and forth between some different places but you hold on to that connection and that trust when you're working together and also I just I try to be I try to go above and beyond. I'm a little bit of a people pleaser in that sense. Like I want you to be like so thrilled. Every it's exhausting to be yeah. this way. But <laughs> keep but hiring me. Please right? keep hiring right? me. <laughs> no, I will do any I mean, obviously I also know like, you know, my worth and I have like respect for myself, but I am also like I, I want I want people to have a good positive experience working with me. Yeah, I would definitely I totally agree. And, you know, one thing I'm always kind of curious talking about photographers, um, did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your voice as a photographer, just in terms of like the style and the aesthetic, the way you kind of approach the work you do? Because um, looking at your website, it seems like you, you, you work with strobe a lot, very kind of like mm -hmm. dark blacks, contrast. Um, did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your voice and aesthetic, I guess? Absolutely. Um, it, so how I did it was okay so I was at wire I was assigned all these different kinds of things most of the time it was like shoot this assignment like this person shoot this assignment like this person so even though I was shooting all the time there I had no idea how I would actually approach it yeah. it was always emulating somebody else and um that can really wear on your confidence because when you're having someone say like, shoot it like this, they don't have any faith in you to shoot it how you would shoot it. And so when I left Wired, I was like, I have no idea how I would approach an assignment from my own perspective. Like, what do I think look 
good. You know, like I don't know. Yeah, it's, so, impo- it's, it's impossible to like copy anyone anyways, because it's like even when you do try, it's going to be different. It's like, oh, yeah, I tried to copy Brian Fink one time and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that, that does not look like stuff. So it sounds it was, easy, but there's so it's so much. It's more than just the tools that people use. It's like so much that goes into it. It's like oh. almost. I always I always say like all the photographers I've assisted over the years and whatnot. Half the time, it's more their personality than it is any technical thing of how mm-hmm. they approach their work. You know. Yeah, it is, and and it takes a while to develop that, like how you are on set, how to be comfortable with somebody. Um, but it definitely, it took me a long time. I knew that it was gonna take me a long time. I feel like I was very self-aware that I had no voice of my own when I left um, yeah. Wired. It was just, it was everybody else's voices in my head. And so um, what I did was, I mean, what all the teachers at Art Center ever said was like, you got to give yourself assignments. You got to give yourself something to shoot. Um, So I was like, hmm, what's something that would be fun, would get me out into the city that I don't really know that I've lived in for a couple of years. Um, So I I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna photograph female firefighters in San Francisco because why not? Firefighters are cool. I want to ride on some fire trucks. And that seems like something that would give me the flexibility to try things out. Like I, so I, I ended up contacting the fire department and like the women's firefighter organization. And they were like, Oh, actually it's like the 30 year anniversary coming up of women being allowed to be firefighters. And we were just happened to be looking for a photographer to do this big group shot of women in the department. It was like, I was just getting lucky, right? Stars is aligning. (laughs) It was, it was crazy. And so, um, they were like, yeah, sure. And Mary, who was my point of contact for the fire department, she was just like, we, we were like two peas in a pod. Everyone was like, are you guys related? We're like, no, we just love each other. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so she just, she's, you know, saying my praises throughout the department. And I, for a year, worked on a book about female firefighters um, in yeah, did you Did you just, was it just one station? Is it cool if I pull it up on the screen so people can look at it? Oh yeah, go for right. it. Yeah, pull it up. So did you just kind of focus on one uh, fire station or was it like a bunch no. of different stations? I went to like, I think I photographed around 50 different firefighters yep. and it was probably 15 different stations. Wow. And like how did you kind of have like a like when you're working on a project this long, did it kind of take you out to figure out like how you're going to approach it? Did it kind of evolve from the beginning to the end? Or how do you kind of approach like a project this big, I guess? You know what? I, I always knew that it needed to be a book because the wonderful thing about firefighters is they do not care about like any tech related things. And so I'd be like... <laughs> I remember one time I was like, oh, yeah, I, I used to work at Wired. And they were like, what is Wires? And I was like, <laughs> I thought that was going to be my in. Like, I was, like, legitimizing me. Um, and they didn't know what it was. And so it was it, – I knew it needed to be a book because when you're approaching, like, a certain demographic, like, the firefighters are like, what do you mean you're just going to put it online? You know, like, it needs to be something. And yeah. so I was like, it's going to be a book. It's going to be available to you guys. Um, and uh, so, so that's kind of, I was like, 
the picture at the end is going to be a book. Yeah. How it's going to look, I, I didn't know. And it took me a long time to figure out. Like the one you just pulled up, her, she was my first shoot. Okay. Um, and when, you're, when you strip away shooting for somebody else or having to please somebody else or trying to guess what they want and what they're thinking, um, you really, you can 100% be yourself. And I didn't have to go into these shoots. The only thing I had to go into these shoots and worry about is like, wasting a firefighter's time yep because they're clearly doing like a, an important job mm -hmm. and so that that was it that's married <laughs> right there all right yeah because <laughs> yeah, it gives uh, you it, like you say it gives you time when you're only you're not working for a publication you have time to kind of experiment and try stuff because you're you were you went back there for like time and time again and kept like kind of working on it working on it working on it yeah it's kind of figuring it out yeah, and sometimes I'd be able to photograph somebody more than once or be at their fire station more than once. Um, and so I got to know them a little bit. I got to know their story, like her right there. Like I, I got to photograph some of the first women who were firefighters in San Francisco when the court order came down. And so that was a big deal. Wow. That was really cool. Um, but yeah, so I got to spend time with them. I started spending time with them um, outside of shooting like our kids played together they came over and had drinks we would go out to pizza so it became a really personal um a really personal project and yeah. uh and i was able to i don't know just calm down and and just try things and they were patient i mean one of the first shoots i showed up to i forgot my camera Really? <laughs> like, I got my lights, but no camera. <laughs> like imagine going into a firehouse. It, they were getting off a 24 hour shift at 8 a.m. I get there at 730 because we're going to do the shoot right after they got off. Yeah. So they wouldn't be pulled away because that happened. Like I would be sitting in firehouses by myself. Like, yep. Um, and then I'm like, hey, I forgot my camera. Yeah, so run back, I'm going to huh? go, go get that. And then that. The, the firefighter that I was shooting, that became like such a funny ongoing joke. I ended up shooting for a wedding and she's the greatest and her name is Willa and I love her. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of feel like working on that personal project kind of helped you find your approach to what you do now a lot? A hundred percent. I think yeah. that if I would have tried to go from an in-house position to freelancing, I would have floundered a lot more without this self-assignment, it, it definitely helped me figure out who I was and what I wanted to do. And do you feel like you need to like pay attention to like, I don't know, photographic trends and like what other magazines are doing? Like, do you feel like you kind of look for magazines that fit like what you do, like in terms of style or do you not just, you don't really worry about it, just kind of shoot the work you do, put it out there and hope people respond to it or do you even kind of pay attention to what other people are doing you think? I mean, I pay attention to it in the, in, in like the way that we all pay attention to it. Like we follow magazines and we look at the work and we're fans, whether we want to emulate it and, you know, put any of those trends into our own work is another thing. I don't do that. Yeah. Um, I think I spent time trying to do that and it didn't make me happy yeah. and like, we're in this creative career yep. to fulfill like a part of ourselves to create stuff. 
and I absolutely will never try to emulate anybody's work again. <laughs> like that yeah, this, was a good. Yeah, this career path is hard enough. Like you, it, for the most part, most people aren't going to make a ton of money. So you might as well just make some work you're proud of. At the end of the day, that's how I kind of look exactly. at it. Exactly. <laughs> that's how I look at it too. Honestly, like not everybody likes my work. Not everybody likes high contrast. Not everybody likes harsh directional light. And, and nor should that. and nor should they. It's like every no. it, it each their own. Like I'm sure there's like plenty of photographers you like, people's stuff you don't like. But a lot of times I even people's work that I might not like aesthetically, I can still respect it. Like this from like the dedication exactly. perspective of like what I'm like, all right, that's not my, that's not, that's not my bag. But like, I respect like what you're doing. Like it's like, exactly. Like I've yeah. got, I've got close friends who shoot totally different. Like they would never use the amount of light that I yeah. use, but I think we have a common respect and love for photography. Yep. Um, but I, I don't see myself changing or, adjusting anything unless i am tired of it yep no that's 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 cool um and one shoot i was really interested in talking to you about i think it's how i kind of found your uh your work you shot i believe for the atlantic you photograph uh general james mattis uh really you got some really cool amazing portraits out of that shoot i was just kind of curious like what your experience was photographing him just like it's been a big figure yeah. in the world like a lot yeah. a lot of people have opinions or whatnot but I guess what was kind of your experience and approach to that shoot I guess so um yeah that was an interesting assignment to get also one of the contacts that I made in DC at the Atlantic that trip yep these assignments amazing um but uh yeah I was a little bit nervous going into it you know he has like funny quotes that like I'll summarize like you know be nice to everybody but know how to kill everybody in the room and stuff like that so I'm like hmm yeah. but um I I grew up around a lot of military people I had really close friends um one in particular who passed away in Afghanistan and so I I, I knew that I could probably find you know at least a common ground with him at to get along during the shoot. And honestly, I didn't know what to expect from him, um, but he was very kind, very patient, um, very thrilled to be photographed. Like he's one person who was like, you're my photographer? Great. Wow, you know, that's like, in my mind, I'm thinking like tough, like military, cause he's a Marine no. Corps general. Like, I was like that's amazing. Yeah. No, I told General Mattis that he had very nice eyes and he full, fully blushed <laughs> he was like he was a nice person to photograph who was more than happy to give us his time so it was that that made the shoot and, and when you easy. go into like a shoot like that because you got multiple setups some really cool stuff i really my favorite one was the kind of profile shot it looked like it was mm -hmm. just kind of like one light maybe um when you go into a shoot like that do you kind of already go in with a plan of like I'm trying to execute like these three shots and we're just going to get through it. Or do you kind of leave room for, to explore? Like how do you approach most editorial shoots? Obviously sometimes you don't get a lot of time, but do you mm -hmm. kind of go in like already kind of mapped out of what you're trying to execute usually? So when I'm going into a shoot like this and I have no idea what I'm walking into, like I didn't know how his actual personality would be. I didn't know actually how much time he would give us or where I was going to shoot him. Um, all I can 
I have a goal and that's to get three different setups. Got it. That's to get three different setups that work horizontally and vertically so I can fit images to any possible layout, yeah. web and print. And so that's really what's in the forefront of my mind is getting images that are not only striking, but that also work for the format that I'm shooting for. And you have to cover your bases because that's one thing I worked at Wired, that I learned working at Wired was I'd have a web story, somebody would come back with a bunch of vertical images. Vertical images don't really work as like a header image for yep. the web. Mm -hmm. And so I've got that kind of internal thought process, like I've got to cover my bases. Um, so I really only went into that shoot, like I'm going to do a shot on Seamless and I'm going to try and get two solid location shots. Um, and we ended up, we were at Stanford because he was doing like a thing there. Yep. And um, we ended up walking around and finding this weird basement that had all this paneling and like, I swear, original 70s uh, furniture. And so I was just like, yeah, yeah. This, this is sounds good. awesome. <laughs> it's like, yeah, a, it's like, like a, it's like they built you a set. <laughs> it, did, it was totally a set and it was empty and like the tables were orange and it had these weird slatted walls. Like it was a weird, a weird basement, which Stanford has. And I've shot at Stanford like 5 million times. So I was at least familiar. Yep enough um, to be like okay we're gonna go explore the only weird thing about that shoot was i had two marines travel with me wherever i went like just like bodyguards or something oh, just make, make, make sure, <laughs> make, sure like, make, make sure christy's not doing anything sketchy <laughs> yeah so they they went with I, my friend Rachel assisted me on it and they went with us wherever we went and they were they were nice guys they were kind of funny like we, we joke around probably like a little bit too much sometimes yep. and um so we were we were all friends by the end of the shoot um and it was it was a good experience it was stressful in when you're trying to create a studio on location and you're trying to light to other you know it's just the it's amount of time and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot a, Right. It's a lot. It's a lot of moving parts. Mm -hmm. and, and when you're photographing these people that are like more well known, are you like the type of person? Do you do a lot of research on them beforehand? Because I know some photographers don't. Some people just like to go in, treat them the same as anyone else. But like, do you do a lot of research on some of these people at all? I don't do. A, I don't do a lot of research. Like, I'll know who they are, what they're known for, you know, kind of things. But it's part of the beauty of meeting all these new people is actually getting to know these things in real time so it's kind of like a non-stop talk fest there's not a lot of quiet yeah so i'm like well, where do you live so do you have kids you know <laughs> i'm very <laughs> i'm very inquisitive apparently <laughs> yeah that's that's the best thing about being a photographer is just like having these interactions it's like i feel like that's like the most fun part of the job i think because like yeah as i'm sure like like a lot of people you've had jobs before this where like it just gets monotonous and it's like the same thing every day. Like you're working at the grocery store, you're working in an office and it's just like, did it, did it, did it. So it's just like, yeah. today you yeah. got to hang out with General Mattis. The next day you're hanging out with like, I don't know, some chef or whoever it might be, you know? Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, I feel like part of what draws us to it and what drew me back up to freelancing. I was like, I can't do the same thing, same people every day. Mm -hmm. um, I need to go and like, be in new places, meeting different people. And so I, I learn a lot. I learn a lot, you know, when I'm there. 
you shot a really cool assignment, I believe, for the Smithsonian Magazine. It was a naturalization ceremony where um, I believe this military veterans got to become uh, U.S. citizens. That seemed like it must have been like a pretty like powerful day. Like what was your kind of overall yeah. experience shooting that? And like what was kind of your approach to like capturing that? Um, so yeah, another contact I made on my DC trip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I gotta get, I gotta get down to New York. New York City's overrated. I'm going to DC now. <laughs> there, there are there is good stuff going on. In oh yeah, you DC. got Nat Geo, the Atlantic, Washington. You're right. There's a lot. There's a lot, and there's a lot of really good people there. Like really, really great editors that just people should know. Right. Um, but yeah, so Donnie, who I had met at the Smithsonian, he sent me down there, um, and it was, it was a really crazy day. It was like a 15 hour day because they do two sessions of like, of people getting their citizenship. So um, it was like, I don't know, like 8,000 people total or something like that, like 4,000 in each group. It was really amazing. And so what the, what the story goal was, was to photograph people who were getting their citizenship through um service in the military yeah because that's a way that you can get citizenship and um so we didn't so we had to get like the department of homeland security had to like get us in and all those clearances and everything but we didn't know if we were going to be able to photograph anybody so i set up like to the left of the stage where they're actually like going up and getting their certificates um we set up like a little mobile studio and then I just had to approach anybody. Like they're coming off the stage, just grab yeah. them like, dit, dit, dit. they're walking in the doors. And if they have military stuff on, I'm like, hi, yeah. well, you know, I've, I've been in situations <laughs> like that. And once you get like the first one and someone else sees it, they, it's almost like the yeah. next person thinks they have to do it. So it's just like, da, 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 da. Yeah, and some people said no, because oh, yeah. some people are camera shy. And I yeah. honestly, I would have said no, yeah. because I'm, I don't like being on that side of the camera, but, um, yeah, people were, people were great and it was really quick. We got their names and like, you know, where they served. And then it was like, you know, it, we shot, I don't know how many people I shot that day, maybe like 30. Yep. Um, but just being there and kind of see, cause yeah, I was they, born they, here, so I wouldn't experience that. Yeah. Um, but just seeing it, it was emotional. Yeah, because these, these people sacrificed their life and have spent years waiting, for, like probably decades, some of these people to like get to this day. So it's for yeah. them, it's like the biggest day, like maybe in their life or whatever. It's, it's it, like there's no more like authentic, like American pride than in a room of like people getting their citizenship. It, it was, it was, it was really cool. It was really cool. No, that was amazing. And uh, oh, one more assignment I'll ask you about, and then we'll wrap yeah. up. I don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, okay. You photographed this interesting article for Wired about CRISPR. Uh, for people that don't know what CRISPR is, maybe you could explain it. I've read a little bit about it. It's very interesting. I mean, it's just gene editing. Um, yeah. And so what's funny is I had shot that story, but that was the second time I shot that exact story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had shot that story first, same, I, Allison, the same scientist, the same lab, same beef barn. For, you shot it for, so you shot it for Wired twice? No, I shot it for the Washington Post first. Okay, got it. Yeah, so I shot it for the Washington Post. I spent um, 
I don't know, a day or two days. I can't remember, honestly, how long there. Um, and we shot the lab and then we shot out at the beef. The, it's, they call it the beef barn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is live cows, but it's a beef barn, apparently. Um, and so uh, when I shot it for the Washington Post, um, they were doing sonograms of the cows who had been implanted with edited embryos. So I got to see how a cow gets a sonogram. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) So gross. (laughs) Um, But, and so I I had first shot it there. So I had gotten, um, I had gotten familiar with the people doing that job. Right. And, you know, my whole goal is to everybody to have a positive photo shoot experience. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I shot that story and then I don't know, it was like maybe a month later, Anna at Wired was like, Hey, uh, we have this really cool CRISPR story up in Davis about gene editing cows. And I was like, I already shot this story. <laughs> and she's <But> like, <laughs> she was like, you did? And I sent her the Washington oh. Post article and she was like, oh, crazy. Okay. Yeah, you did already shoot it, but we're going to like do it in a different way. And then there was a lab in La Jolla. Down yeah. Cause like with the Washington Post, like how much editing are you allowed to do? Cause I like with the New York times, you can't really do too much. Like, like, yeah, so it was a lot more. I mean, I still lit it. I yep. definitely I lit a cow sonogram. I'll light that all day. Um, <laughs> but I, it was a lot more documentary style then. Yeah. Um, and then when I shot the story, it was a little bit different, but it was had a lot of the same players in it because it was the same beef barn where these the genes were being edited. So. Um, Oh, lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, that's all right. Yeah, oh, we're just... oh, but so, but so going, but so going into approaching the Wired one, it was like, okay, well, this is what we want to do. It's going to be a cover story, but we want to photograph a cow, an actual gene edited cow, for the cover, like she's in a studio, but we can't bring her into a studio. And I was like, all right, let's problem solve. So I made. Um, I made a, I guess like a curtain. So that the cow shot right there of the face is the cover. This one? Yeah, I made a black curtain with a hole in it. (laughs) Like out of fabric. Oh, damn. So that cow is sticking its head through a a, a hole? Wow. And so that cow is in those like big, I don't know what they're called, but the cow holder things. And then it's got its head through. I don't know, a metal thing to keep the cow's head out. Yep. Um, and yeah, so that's princess. <laughs> that's, that, that's that cow's name. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, so we, we lit her as best we could with her hole through this black curtain that I had made. Um, and it was very challenging, but it was also one of the most fun shoots because yeah. I would prefer to be out on a barn to a tech office like definitely it's got any, more any day it's got more texture personality to it uh mm-hmm. yeah that crispr stuff it's like basically like people should go read about it it's almost like jurassic park shit it's like they're talking about m- making new species and bringing old ones yeah, so back for this particular story it was basically they were just trying to engineer cows to not have horns yep because the horn, like the dehorning process is really painful for the cow. And if they're not dehorned, then they impale each other. And it's like how Allison, the scientist down here, um, sh- how she explained it was just like, it's just, we're just trying to like 
make like remove this process like we're just trying to remove the horns yep. and see if we can do that and and they you know they're working on it and so wow. um yeah so it was it was that was a cool story to work on and plus i got to spend a day with cows <laughs> no it was amazing it was really interesting um but i guess to wrap up like you've been doing this for a while like you you you've accomplished a lot getting to shoot all these cool subjects and covers and whatnot i guess like what's next for you kind of any goals or anything you're hoping to work on moving forward obviously it's crazy times but I guess what's 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 next for you? Yeah, I had some goals. I had, I thought 2020. I mean, January, February 2020 was like amazing. Yeah. For me, it was. I was like accomplishing goals that I had set for myself, and then you know everything changed. Um, so honestly, my my goals now are just survive. Keep keep a career going keep getting work and keep making good work to maybe last past everything that's coming up against us right now. So, so the goals have changed a little bit, but mostly it's just to survive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's good. Just keep it simple. Let's keep it simple, but keep staying creative six feet apart, staying creative six feet apart. (laughs) With masks on. (laughs) With masks on. All right. Well, Christy, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. And for like anybody listening, if they want to check out more of your work, where's the best place for them to go? Um, probably my Instagram. I'm not like amazing at keeping my website up to date. Um, I have, I'm busy. I have a seven year old and yeah, it's a lot. not, not a lot of time right now for updating that, but Instagram's a little bit easier for me to just pop work on there. So that's probably the most up to date. Perfect. And that's his uh, Christy Hem clock. I'll, I'll put the link and people can go check it out. And thanks so much, Christy. Thank you. Yeah, nice Bye. talking to you. Later. You too. Later. So there you have it. That was the Christy Hem clock interview. I uh, just want to thank Christy so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure kind of hearing about everything she's worked on over the course of her career. Um, definitely really appreciate kind of hearing her insider perspective, working as a photo editor and uh all the interesting projects she's worked on. So can't thank her enough for uh, taking the time. Uh, definitely go check out Christy's website at christyhamclock.com as well as her Instagram at christyhamclock. Um, I'll put the links and everything in the description. So definitely go give her a follow on Instagram. Lots of cool work she's always posting up there. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, as well as our new YouTube page, The Photo Banter. Just go to YouTube. I got different videos and um, I've been doing a weekly call-in show where anybody wants to call in and talk photography, I'll be posting the, the Zoom link on my Instagram at Alex Gagne Photo. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for that and feel free to call in if you want to talk about photography or whatever. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks so much for listening and take care.